Raiders, start your engines! Welcome to the one place everybody wants to be. Victory Lane, your source for news, analysis, discussion, interviews, and more from the world of NASCAR. Here's your host, Davey Siegel. Welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be. You know it, you love it. It, of course, is Victory Lane. Touchy subject, Victory Lane is for Joe Gibbs Racing this week. <laughs> we'll get to that a little bit later in the show. But this show is all about Mamba, Dylan Smith. You guys probably know him as Mamba Smith. He's one of my good buddies. I've known him for a handful of years. We've gotten pretty close over the last year or two. And I finally was able to get him and get my schedule in order and have him on the podcast. We discussed so much. That spans across his entire life on and off the racetrack, his career professionally in the media space and on the racetrack. He is just an A1 guy. And I'm, I'm glad that I got him on the pod to chat about it all. And and I'm glad that you guys are going to be able to hear it as well. It's a lot to unpack with Mamba, but we did it for over an hour ahead of his first career ARCA start this coming weekend at IRP. That is going to be a sight to see, man. I'm so excited for him on that. Before we get to our chat with Mamba, we got to pay homage to a number 57. And I know Papa Siegel has had to dig deep in his suitcase of courage. See what I did there, Dad? In the 50s. I think he did so again this week for 57. Thank you, Duve, and welcome everyone to episode 157. The 50s have been a challenge, and this week's number is no different. Less than 300 starts for the 57, and no wins. I suppose I could have tried to find a reason to discuss Johnny Halford or Hut Strickland, who's a lesser-known member of the Alabama gang, but that'd be too much of a reach, especially where they only drove the number about 30 times each, to no particular newsworthy ends. So, we take the opportunity to reach down to the Xfinity ranks and pay respect to the man who drove the 57 car in that series 316 times and scored 10 wins. That man would be Jason Keller. Keller competed in 519 Xfinity, then nationwide, series races, between 1991 and 2010, and he was the first person to make 500 career starts in the series. Only Kenny Wallace has more. Keller finished second in the points in 2000 and 2002. And that's all for this week. Back to you, Duve. Thank you, Dad. Always good to turn the way back machine on somebody that may not be super spotlighted in the history books, but that is why we have this segment on the pod. Appreciate you. Let's start off this episode, as we always do, with a good old-fashioned And throw it straight over to our interview with the Chief Hype Officer of NASCAR, Mamba Media founder and CEO. It is Dylan Mamba Smith. Man, he is such an interesting guy. He is such a character. He's got so many layers to him. He, If you want to talk about an onion in the sport of NASCAR that's not Todd Bodine, Mamba's your guy. He has so many different things going on. He's juggling 20,000 different balls and jobs at the same time, and he does them all so, so well. And 
his energy, his attitude. It's so infectious. And I know people say that a lot about him. If you follow him on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, and if you guys listen to the podcast that he did with Kelly Crandall a couple weeks ago, you'll all understand that as well. Uh, Kelly beat me to the punch. Uh, we always text that, you know, we're going for the same guests and stuff like that. I've wanted to have Mamba on for a long, long time. I've gained such a better and bigger appreciation for him as a person and professionally being able to work with him over the last year or so in some of the ventures that I did before getting over to Sirius. And I'm so, so glad that he gave me over an hour of his time again to dive deep into the crevasses of him as a person, professionally, and as a race car driver, because he ain't done yet. Let's hear from the man himself. Here's my chat with Black Mamba, Dylan Smith. This one's been a long time coming, folks. On the show this week, I am so glad to be joined by the chief hype officer at NASCAR, the CEO and founder of Mamba Media, Team Dylan Management on his chest, Young's Motorsports in his hands this weekend. It is the man, the myth, the legend, one of my favorite co-hosts because he's low-key been my only co-host in my life. (laughs) It's Dylan Mamba Smith. What up, big dog? How you living? Oh man, what it do, baby? We up in here. We've uh, we're living, we're living right. You know, we're living right. I feel like it's been a minute since uh, I went off the record and I left off the record. I feel like we still talk, Dude, but has. we don't get to see each other on Zoom every now and then. So I'm proud of you for hopping no. on on time. Proud of you, bud. Proud of me. Proud of me for hopping on. Golly, well, you know, I'm not gonna be late to your show. I might be late to my own yeah. show. That's different. Yeah. You Show know? some respect. So. You know how it goes. Exactly. <laughs> I, I mean, I've been running all over Charlotte, the greater Charlotte area today, yeah. too. So it's all good. Well, I appreciate you carving out some time for me. I know this is a busy week for you. I know today was a busy day, and yeah. it's going to be a busy day. So, my friend, let's just jump right into the deep end. What do you say? I know uh, mm-hmm. a lot of people listening, they may have heard you already on Kelly Crandall's show, the Raising Writers podcast. And I was funny, I was texting Kelly, I was texting you, when I saw your name pop up on my phone in the feed, I was like, damn, because we had been talking, I'm like, yeah, I got to get you on, and then our schedules didn't align or whatever, but... Yeah, like, like he, like we do, we did a podcast together every week for, like, how many months? You're like, hey, man, we got to get you on. I'm like, yeah, okay. And then you finally want to when I got something going yeah. on. I didn't want to get you know, me I just on. Li- I just like using you, you know. I, listen, I've I've been there before. It's okay. <laughs> uh, so I mentioned Chief Hype Officer. And when you got that mm. title, I thought that it was kind of a joke, like something you just made up, whatever. But that is a legitimate title that you have on your business card. Mm. Like you walk into mm. the building and you're actually the Chief Hype Officer. It's on your title. It's on your business card. You also live it. Yep. How did that title yep. come to be? What is your role in Chief Hype Officer? Tell the people what you do as CHO of America's foremost premier stock car series. Listen, listen, for the kids out there that are listening Uh to this, what's more important than getting paid up front is having a good title. I got to be honest. It's on my LinkedIn. It really is. I checked it. And it's a it's a CHO. And like no one reads that. They just kind of scare like, oh, CO. okay. Some type of officer of something does something important. He's a chief and an officer. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. The C and Uh the O, and then you can put whatever you want in between it. But no, for real though, um, 
appreciate you having me on here. I'm excited to, to do this hit with you. Uh, the CHO title came when, when NASCAR came and they um, asked me if I want to do some on-camera work. And I was like, yeah, for sure. But I need a good title. Like, I don't want to just come on there with nothing. Um, and so I created chief, chief hype officer. And uh, that's what I do, though. Like, I, I'm, I'm here to promote motorsports. I'm here to promote NASCAR. I'm here to promote good times and having fun with you the hype people. It up. And, and that's what we do, man. We're just trying to um, entertain the masses and have fun while doing it. So it's been super fun. Um, actually... NASCAR gave me, someone gave me a badge to get in and out of the building, which may or may not have been a mistake yeah. because now I just go over there freely and uh, go bother people in their cubicles. <laughs> so, you know, you know, I, but, but like, that's part of it. Like the job, what the job entails is kind of what I make yeah. it entail. But what I want it to be is um, just me going around and have like engaging with people. Hey, how you doing? love the work you've been putting in, like keep grinding, like just giving that uplifting message that I try to portray, uh, which is not it, who I am on my socials, but also in real life and in that building, because there is one thing that a lot of people probably don't realize how many people really care um, that are in there and that are putting in long hours. So, you know, trying to give them uh, the credit where it's due is important. To me. Absolutely. So you came up with that title for yourself and it is very applicable. People know you as Black Mamba. Some people know you yep. as Dylan. I know that there's kind of a line of Not demarcation many. and it goes back. Yeah, like the, yeah, the North, North. So I know if you know me as Dylan, if it's, you're either North of the Mason Dixon uh -huh. line or I met you before like 20. Odds are if somebody calls you Dylan, so they're like an OG. Those two. Odds are they're from Vermont. Facts. Yeah, for yeah. sure. They're either from Vermont or they knew me just prior before I became Black Mom. So the nickname came about, I think how the story goes is you're a GoPro Motorplex at Justin Marks' place. Brandon McReynolds is there. Joey Logano's there. You kind of mm -hmm. put your name as Black Mamba, and they were like, who the hell is that? Mm -hmm. And you're like, hey. Mm -hmm. Is that pretty much how it went? Yeah, that, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much <laughs> it. The only thing, it was at uh, Victory Lane. And, but yeah, that was, that was it. Like I was, you know, like six or seventh on the leaderboard yeah. and like everyone knows on the end, like you put your racer name in or whatever. And I was like, Oh, he's black mama. And they're like, who's that? I'm like, what's up? And then they wrecked me. And then they had to red flag the race. Cause the car got stuck Did on the Joey wall. Wreck you? And on it. No. So it was LaJoy was to my uh -huh. left. I think Logano was to my uh -huh. right. And I think McReynolds or Flores is right You're behind just in me. A big old sandwich. And, uh, yeah. They're to my left, right, front, or back, and they pound me into the wall and stop the race. And then, honestly, like, at, from that point, it took people, like, a good little while to even know my name. Like, <laughs> I remember Tutal called me and left me a voice message, and Tutal was like, uh, I don't know who Dylan is, but if Black Mamba, if this is you, call me back. Because <laughs> also, my phone number is 802, right? So no one right. even knows, like, what, like, they don't even know where that's yeah. from, so... Yeah, man, it's been a it, look. Not everyone's lucky enough to have a decent nickname. Like I know some bad nicknames. Mm -hmm. Black Mom was a good one though. So, no, it's great. I love you know, it. I'm, yeah, we're, I'm wearing awesome. the purple in honor of you and Kobe. Kobe, Kobe. My speaking of Kobe, that helmet. Oh, that off axis did for me. Uh, God, damn, that's fresh. Noel. 
Noel did. Oh my, Noel did such a good job on that thing, man. Thing's like beautiful. It, it, yeah, it's literally probably going to get one race on it and that's it because mm-hmm. it's too nice. It's too that's nice. what I was going to suggest to you nice, anyway, because so. that thing is pristine, man. That is good looking. Yeah, he got like the beads of the sweat off Kobe's brow on there, and like it just looks really. really Not to get like too deep into the weeds about the helmet or the nickname, but I mean Kobe, like for any young kid, he's kind of a an inspiration and somebody that you can look up to as an athlete in a sport, right? Mm -hmm. Was he that guy for you? Like some Mm -hmm. people have the guy in racing, some people kind of translate it from one sport to another. Was he the guy, and did that have to do with the nickname? uh kobe's definitely like yeah i mean kobe's definitely like my like my muse my inspiration to a lot of things about me uh comes from kobe um i said kobe like i know him like i watched so much of his video and so much of his like interviews and like really deep dove on on who he was and what he was trying to accomplish and like i've tried to um take some of that and apply it to my life. I knew I couldn't be, I was never going to be a basketball player like that. Right. But like just the attention to detail and the like constant work ethic and all those things, I could apply those things to my life and making people around me better and constantly trying to be better uh, myself. Um, You know, so, you know, I, I really like, I studied the dude, I studied him and, and like, you know, he wasn't my, favorite basketball player off the rip like I'm a I I like Shaq before him I like D Wade before him like but Kobe as a person he probably is like one of my favorite people that ever walked the planet that that like I was able to at least see you know what I mean like like Muhammad Ali was uh such an inspiration for so many people but I never got to see that part of him as a kid like everyone knows Kobe right Right. so like that I mean he uh he's helped me mold a lot of who I am and what I do so one of the reasons I wanted to have you on timing wise is because this upcoming week by the time you're listening to this Mamba's probably getting ready and strapped on into that machine for the Arkham Menard series race at IRP Mm -hmm. this coming weekend it's going to be your first start in Arca first start in really any NASCAR stock car that's in a sanctioned series. Um, That's in anything higher than like, exactly. Right. Do you think, and I know you've raced in the snowflake before and you know, that's a huge accomplishment Mm -hmm. in and of itself. Do you think that this race is probably the biggest one of your life? Um, It's one of, it's one of for sure. And more so because when I left home, I promised everybody, I said, I promise you one day, you'll be able to turn on the TV and watch me race. And now that's going to happen. And there was a, there was a good moment in time up until this point where I was like, man, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to get that done. Like the deals just kept falling through, whether it was like I had to deal with the Patriots that we almost got done. I had to deal um, with creative recreation, the shoe company that I almost got done. I even, I even was supposed to drive in 2015, um, when uh, Jay Beasley got, he got vertigo. And so I was supposed to get in that car in the week of leading up. They, um, they're like, Hey, we're going to have you run. I'm like, Oh word. Like this is big. Like, and then, you know, two days up, I got pulled out of the car and they put someone else in the car. And like, so like things just kept happening. And I'm like, man, this might not ever happen. Um, 
and then like the schedule for the Arca series a lot and it's like what races are you gonna do like you gotta pick ones that 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 you know serve a purpose and fit what you're trying to sure. do so like usually i race once a year and it's been the snowflake i've raced the myrtle beach 400 back when we were in myrtle beach and um made those races and those are super hard because those guys are really best in the, they're the best stock car short track racers at what they do um so even to be able to be able to line up and and go toe-to-toe and make those races means a lot um for me because i'm coming off the bench literally coming off the couch to go do it couch racer. like why are you doing it like that yeah it was like why do you do it like that and i'm like because i'm broke man like i ain't got no money like it takes me it takes me so long to get the deal together yeah and like there's been so many people that have been like man i really feel like you, you could do it like this or like that and i'm like well why don't you come over here and you try to do it like I'm, I have a whole life that I'm trying to build at the same time of trying to race and I want to race and enjoy it. Um, and luckily with partners like Elliot's uh, custom trails and carts and the Tony Elliott foundation, they've been with me since I started racing the snowflake for the most part. So, um, and now we're in their backyard. So to be able to give something back to them is huge. Uh, we got Mark mom and the mayor podcast. Um, that's going to be on the hood. We got Maestro's uh, classics. That's why my beard looks so good, because mm-hmm. old Maestro's beard butter has been on that um, on this nice. You got the Bubba Wallace truck so, uh, Michigan special you know, sponsor. Right, and the cool thing about that is, I was the PR yeah. guy. I was doing PR for that mm-hmm. truck when we won. So, like this this specific run that I'm doing. Um, there's a lot, lot of thought process behind it. It's not just it's not none of it. Oh, yeah. uh, I worked with yeah, like I worked with Team Dylan management. So like Austin Craven, um, obviously Austin Dylan. Like I've known them boys for a long time, and um, they helped me put this together with with Ty Young. So Tyler, I've known Tyler like the whole time I've lived here, man. So being able to drive for your with your drive for your friend is super cool. And then like I said, the Elliots. Maestro's was on that truck that we won with with Bubba that I was a part of at MDM. Um, and then we got the podcast, which is obviously growing and, and great. And then it's IRP. There's only one place I'd rather race than IRP, and that's that's Loudon. That's New Hampshire because that's home. Like, IRP is one of my hands-down yeah. favorite racetracks I always want to come to. I got Coleman Presley spotting for there me. You go. So, like, I used to work with Coleman. I used to work with Coleman at X team. Like I was a part of one of his last races in the K and N series. So like all these people and all these entities are together because they've done something for my career, for yes. my life. And that's a lot of what we're doing. So it, it's super cool and humbling. And I'm just happy to be doing it. You mentioned team Dylan management. You got them on your shirt. Austin Cravens helped you with this process. Tyler young mm-hmm. with young's motorsports as well. A guy that you didn't name is AJ Allmendinger, and it goes back a long time, but it kind of started, the wheels were in motion, I would like to think, when we were on Off the Record together, because we had a little conversation there, but then I think that week, you guys went to dinner, a contract was signed, I say contract in quotes, on a napkin, and you guys made it happen, and now you're paying homage to him with his uh, Champ Guard paint scheme on the O2, so that's kind of a cool moment as well yeah no i mean aj really i mean he lit the thing like like we we've been me and aj have been buddies for a while and um 
we were talking about, you know, this stuff, life, and we're at the bar, we're at uh, Boatyard Eats, actually. And um, he's like, well, what do you need? I'm like, well, I mean, we need, this is what I need total. You know, he's like, okay, give me that napkin. Got a Sharpie, wrote it out. He's like, I'll give you eight grand. And I'm like, dude, like, and and so the thing is, is when I race, it's usually getting help from people like right. that. It's usually help from other racers that have made it. Like, so it's this time it's AJ. Before it's been Bubba and Ryan and Tony Stewart and Kyle Larson and Kevin Harvick. Like, it, like these guys get it. They understand how hard it is to get to this level. And I, you know, I, I start looking at my career and it's like, okay, when's the last time I raced on a regular basis? 2015 what like that's so long ago um but probably if i sucked in the myrtle beach races or if i sucked in the snowflake like this last snowflake i didn't have a great i didn't have a great showing of actually no i actually did have a, a pretty good run like through the week we didn't make the race and then the one before that we made the race but i had a terrible race like the emotions for making that race really were hard to like get back into focus yeah. to run the race. So, but um, you know, it's just, it takes a lot and I don't, they get it. And uh, I appreciate them. And so AJ won and became the most winningest winning NASCAR road course driver yeah. in, in the history of the sport. And uh, I wanted to do something cool for him. And he got, we unveiled it and uh, he was, he thought it was going to be Mr. Tickles on there. He thought it was going to be his cat on the hood of the thing. It wouldn't, I thought about it. I did think about it, but I, I was like, you know what? I'm going to give this man this whole car because he he deserves it. Like he is one of the, one of the more talented drivers that has come through. He makes every place that he's been to better. Um And, and I hope, I hope that he is able to pull off an Xfinity championship because I really thought he could have done it last year. Um, and they just came up a little bit short. But, uh, you know, without AJ, um, without any of the partners, it wouldn't happen. But AJ is the one that really, really started it, because then I really started thinking, like, okay, like, maybe I can get this thing done. So, you know, it's it's hard, man. It's so hard. But um, I'm just enjoying it. Uh, real quick before we move on f- from this topic, I read that you're not actually not going to be able to participate in the snowflake this year. And you mentioned, you know, you kind of do that funding that you can mm-hmm. whose wedding are you officiating like <laughs> how does that happen uh tyler trosper and jordan swain they um so tyler me and tyler used to be roommates are you um, like a wedding and now is that a thing that you've been yeah, well, yeah no not i gotta go get my license and everything uh, for this you but uh yeah no man like and they 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 called me and we sat down and talked about it and uh, oh actually no we were at L A and Tyler was just like hey I got something to tell you about or ask you about I'm like okay he's like I'll ask you later then he came back by like literally five minutes later was like will you marry us and I'm like <laughs> what like you want are you sure you want me to Casual. do that I'm like well let me think about it right because it's an important day like that like I could legitimately mess this whole thing up um, and. Yeah, I probably will, but you get what you pay That's for. Right. So they asked you. So yeah, they asked me. I didn't ask to do it. So, but the thing was, is Tyler was like, "So this is when the wedding is. I know you normally run the snowflake at that time. Like, it, like no big deal if you can't if you can't make it." 
And at first I was like, and usually I get the itch to race about halfway through the year. I'm like, okay, like I kind of want to get back behind the wheel. Um, Let me start working towards something. Uh, But when that came up so early, it really made me think about it. And I was like, you know what? Like I can race something else. Like I can race at a different time, but to be asked to be a part of someone's day like that, um, it, it, it meant a lot to me that they even asked. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I'm happy to do it. Um, and it sucks because I won't be at the snowball derby this week, uh, this year. Um, but some things are more important than racing. No doubt about that. All right, let's go all the way back. Cause I want to talk about how you got into racing, how you got involved with it in the first place. I know you grew up in Vermont mm-hmm. and, you know, Ken Squire, Dave Booty, those are two big names up there. And I know they were pretty influential in your path getting into motorsports the way that you are. So what got you in? What drew you in? Uh, so I was like, I was like three or four and I had a friend that was like, oh, I'm going to, um, is that my house? That might be my house. I'm right next to a fire department <laughs> all the time. Is that the Dawsonville um, Siren? Yeah, right. They, I'm sure you could hear that for sure miles after this last yeah. week. Um, so we went to Thunder Road, and I loved it. I loved it from the jump. Um, I used to fall asleep to to um, Dave Moody on the calls doing the the, the races Dulcet there. Tones. Yeah, it's dude. It was it was just I loved it. My dad got me a go kart when I was four or five, um, and we won, and then we won, and then we won, and then we won, and I'm like, winning's fun. So we just kind of stuck with it. And, um, you know, those times with my dad, I'll never, I'll cherish forever. And my parents sacrificed their, their retirement on, on my racing career, which has turned into like my entire motorsports career. You know what I mean? You can't get one without the other. So um, I'm finally able to start paying some of their bills. So that's, that's kind of That's cool. really awesome. And I know, you know, you mentioned you guys kept winning and winning and that's a good feeling and you want to keep that up. So you're not going to stop. Allison Legacy right. North Championship. Then you moved on to yep. late models at Thunder Road. I mean, I'm not mm-hmm. from that area, but I can understand. And, you know, working and racing the past few years, I understand that kind of Northeast racing and the values that you guys have up there. It's a bit different than things you get on the West Coast or the Midwest or the Southeast or the Mid Atlantic, yep. something like that. How was that in terms of adopting to that? You know, like it's not the same as what you see on TV every single week. It's not the same yeah. as all the guys that you're watching necessarily on television every Sunday. So how did you adjust to those different values? Um, you know, back back home in New England, like we're, we're hard-nosed racers. Like we're, we got race fans, racers. We got my kid. But that's not all we do up there. Like we don't – most people don't race for a living. That's not what most people back home right. do. Have you know regular jobs and blue collar jobs and white collar jobs, all types of jobs. You know what I mean. So um, moving down here, not very many of us. There's actually more people from Vermont than you would think that are in the in the garage, but as a whole, there's just not that many people that leave the space, that leave Vermont very often, um, especially in the racing area. So uh, to kind of you know. I, trying to do my best at carrying that torch for them, you know, really Moody's way out in front. Um, and Ricky Craven, we claim Ricky, uh, we claim priest and we'll claim with joy. You're we'll new England. You can too. claim so, whoever you want. 
yeah well, yeah right so you know the difference is though is just the mindset like this is down here this is the this is all we do back back home it wasn't so um you know that was different and that and so also balancing that with work working like a grown adult right. you know so when i moved here i didn't go to school i went to the school of went to the school of racing i went to the school of nascar like that that i was baptized by fire so and i wouldn't want it any other way so it's uh it's been a great experience but there is a there are major differences but there's a lot more similarities too. yeah you went to the school of hard knocks i think you turned out pretty good pretty well for yourself you're doing all right hey we yeah, we're, we're all right. We ain't yeah. there yet, but we're, we're gaining on it. Okay. Uh, something that you're very open about on social media, and, and we'll get to your social media presence and everything like that, because I think that's how a lot of people have learned to love you and come to admire you, is that you are adopted, and you've been very public about your adoption journey. Um, I found it interesting what you told Kelly. You said that your process and journey actually went like better than 95% of other kids that are in a similar situation to yours. I don't know anything about that. And I'm pretty naive when it comes to this topic. So can you kind of tell me why that was the case and, and why your, I guess, situation was different than most other people's? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, and, and I'm kind of like guessing a little bit, but just because I know specifically like mine was an open adoption. Like I knew that I was adopted from jump. Um, and I was, but I was put in the best place that I ever could have been. Like my parents are two of the best people in the entire world and literally give their shirts off their backs. Or if you need a place to stay and they don't even know you, they let strangers in there. Like sometimes I go home for the holidays. I'm like, who's this? <laughs> like, oh, that's so-and-so. They, I'm like, why are they in our house? Like, I don't know. What are you doing? Like, but that's just who they are. And um, so, uh it's been a great, it's been great. You know, my, my mother and my aunt are more like big sisters. And then my grandparents, they treat me like, like I'm, I'm their son. You know, it's, it's a, it's a wild and different dynamic, but it's our dynamic and it works really well. And it doesn't matter if I'm gone, if I haven't talked to them for months or not, like whenever we get linked back together, it's like, I've been with them my entire yeah. life. And so there's a little bit of nature versus nurture there where it's it just, it just click, it just goes together. Um, and then, you know, my parents, they, they taught me all the, all my values and, and gave me my base and my foundation. And they, um, they're just hardworking people and they're just good people. And so I try to emulate them, you know, as much as I can. So I got a good balance yeah. of, you know, nature and nurture. again, this comes from a place of naivety because I don't really know anything about this, but is it typical for adopted children to like maintain a relationship with their birth parents? Um, I would go off and say that every situation is different. Okay. I don't think there's any like really atypical thing. I think it depends on the situation. Like why the adoption, right? Like what are the, what are the things going on in everybody's lives that has made this situation and sure. created a situation? So, um, you know, for me, it, it was, it's been like that. And I, I love that it's that way. Um, because when you're, when you are adopting in your place that like, and you start to grow up and get older and you're like, um, I feel different. Like I feel 
different than the people around me. I feel different than even my home life. Like, and you can't quite pinpoint it. That's that's the hard part. Like I struggled with that when I was probably seven, eight or nine. Like everyone looked different than me. I wanted, I wanted to look like my parents. I wanted to, you know, and it took me a minute to understand what, what all was going on. So there was a piece inside of me that was kind of missing. And I didn't, at the time, I didn't know what it was. But as I grew into an adult, I understood that I needed to have a better relationship with my birth family to ask some questions about why I think the way I do. And they're like, oh, well, that's because your grandmother did this, this, and this. And so that's probably why. Like, when you can connect some of those dots, it just like it kind of smooths everything out like when there's no rhyme or reason to something which i don't believe in coincidences that's that's what's tough and when you're adopted it's really hard to know what where things are coming yeah. from because if you didn't get it from your two parents that are raising you you're like okay well what is this like where does that come from so um for me luckily i've been able to uh to have that pretty much my whole gotcha. Life. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. Cause it's, it's funny. We've known each other yeah. for a long time and I, I always knew that you were adopted and you had the relationship with your birth parents, but I never really understood your story, the backstory or asked really why. So <laughs> thank you for sharing that. I'm sure that like, there's a, there's, there's a post on, on my Twitter that I pinned, yeah. um, from 2017 yeah. and it was, it was Thanksgiving, 2017. I graduated in 2010 mm-hmm. My grandfather wasn't able to make my graduation. So I hadn't seen him at that point for like 15 years when I did get to see him. And like, that was us. That was just straight up dying, laughing together. Like we've been together the entire ride. So like, yeah, that's just how my dynamic is. And I just feel like not everyone gets that. And I feel very fortunate to to have the family. For sure. Very well said. Get back to racing a little bit. Uh, drive for mm. diversity. You participated in the combine seven times. Is that right? God damn. Seven. Look, you go. Call me the goat. <laughs> Call me the goat, baby. For real. Jimmy wishes he got something yeah. on you. Yeah. I'm, I'm right up there with, with Petty, Earnhardt, That's and Johnson. Right. I'm You're right on the there. Mount Rushmore in my eyes. Mama uh, Mount Rushmore, yeah. baby. <laughs> yeah. The only one standing there was yeah. seven. Yeah. No, the, the, the program... Um, to be frank, like it was, it was, it was a struggle for me. I mean, like it, it wasn't, it wasn't. So I had to, it was, um, it just was hard. It was hard because I was coming from a place that wasn't highly respected in motorsports and my family didn't, we had the least amount of money out of anybody that was coming to the combine and you're like, Oh, well that shouldn't matter. Well, it kind of does. Cause your relationships matter. Like I wasn't racing in front of these people. They didn't know who I was. Um, so that made it tough. And then when you compete at a high level and you're consistently top three, easily top five on both on actually all three phases of it, which is media, the uh, physical portion and the driving portion. Like when you're hitting all these things and you still don't make it, you're like, yo, what is going on? Like I am pouring my heart and soul out into this thing and I can't get selected out of 10. I just saw the speech chart. I was like third, fourth, like, 
and and so you know there's this video on um on youtube and if you go to it it's i think it's nascar d for d 2012 10 years ago god damn world so bro that one is the one that larson showed up to if you go to that video that video is him is the is like a main portion and me like it's me and him like our two like story like that those are the ones that got carved out in those videos and then after that they went very separate ways obviously <laughs> like i'm not i'm not saying that i was anywhere close to kyle larson but on that day i was you're you know? on the mount rushmore and he's so not yet not, look man to not just to not get that like res- respect at that time really sucked but what they didn't what they didn't know and what i didn't know is that it fueled me it was it's it that i'm still fueled by that like it burns hot like i'm still out here trying to show that people made a mistake by not selecting me and then other people did same 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 tower different part but we're here that's right so I'm mad about it. So like we said, seven-time participant in the Combine. I think he got selected, was it twice? Mm. Once, okay, okay. so he got selected one time. Yeah. Um, I had a question on my outline, you know, because you've been very public about your experience. It wasn't necessarily the best thing that's ever happened to you, and I really respect that you're, no, you're able yeah. to talk about it like that. And I find it interesting, too, that, you know, Rev Racing, who obviously kind of runs the ship there, they value you enough to essentially say, Hey, look, like we're not going to select you for the driving portion. I know that's what you want, but here's a job offer work with us. And at mm-hmm. first you said, nah, I'm good. Why? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I talked to Andy Santer. So at the time Andy was running the program and, um, he's like, Hey, we're going to offer you a job. I'm like, okay. He's like, and I was like, am I going to be able to drive like at all? He's like, well, do you want to be a driver? Or you want to be a mechanic? I'm like, well, I, want to, I want to be a driver. He's like, well, then you better go race. From the, that is the go as far as New England, New England racing goes. Like that, that dude is on the Mount Rushmore. I'm like, if Vanty's saying this, then okay. So I went back home, had a better year, um, ran way better, um, and then came back to the combine again. Didn't make it again. Took the job the second right. time. Well, like they what people didn't know about me then and what i think I've, people have begun to figure out is like i am not gonna quit like when i left home people were like oh what are you gonna do when racing doesn't work out it doesn't not work an out option. i'm not i don't have enough that that's not a like that isn't an option to happen i'm gonna make it i'm gonna make it work out i'll figure it out there's no turning back um so, and that's what some of these people didn't know either. So when I got into the building, we had iRacing. We were one of the first teams with like a real iRacing partnership. Mm. Man, I was on the sim from, if, if I worked from seven to four, I was on the sim from four to 11. Man. So, so I was putting in an eight hour day as a mechanic and then a seven hour day working it's on like my Like two full-time jobs trying right to get there. Man, that was all like, if this is, if this is what you're going to offer me and I got to do this, well, I'm going to use these tools that are what it takes. I didn't know. I didn't know, but 
um because he had a key card to come in and out i didn't know but jefferson hodges knew exactly when who ended up taking over the program he knew exactly when i was leaving the leaving the shop every night he never told me that he never told me to stop he never told me i couldn't do it but i didn't know that he knew i didn't know anyone knew so um and and i am so appreciative of those hard times because excuse me without them I'm not exactly who I am right now. And I love who I am. I love me. So, so, so when you, when you got that job at Rev interior mechanic, is that right? Yeah. Okay. So how do you go from an interior mechanic at Rev racing through the drive for diversity program to winning a championship in the cup series with Kevin Harvick at Stuart Haas? How does that jump happen? Yeah. So, okay. So actually I lied when I got there, I would, I, they, I was allowed to sweep the floors, clean the cars, and they were they taught me how to mount and dismount tires. I was at the lower low low low. And I to be honest, I that's where I needed to be because I couldn't even read a tape measure. Like I, I couldn't read the whole thing. I got I, they didn't teach me that. They taught me what one inch, half inch, and maybe the quarter inch line. I don't know nothing about this eighth and 16th and 32nd. Like, is it a heavy line or is it a light line? Like what? Yeah. I don't know. It's the line. It's this little line. So, um, you know, I went to, I went to school like I, but, but I didn't quit because I knew I needed to do to get where I wanted to get to. I needed to get through this part. So um, there with the late models, year one, year two, late models and on Kyle Larson's car as the interior guy on the k right. car. Um, Randy Goss was the uh, crew chief. Uh, we won the championship with the one, probably the most, the most talented class of drivers that's ever came through because I think probably five, six of them are in cup right now. Um, it was impressive. Um, then, uh, so at the end of every year at Rev, like a lot of people would get laid off and then you knew you having a job the next year and you just hang out for a little while and then you come back after the winter. Well, I didn't get brought back after the winter after 12. Uh, no one really told me, I don't know why I didn't offer me a job back. So, um, I was hanging out. Uh, I get a call from Jerry Babb. He was running X team where Coleman Presley was. Um, so I go up there and start working. We ran one race maybe. And then it's March, April of 15. Um, no, sorry. March, April of 13. And uh, Stuart Haas calls. And there was a job opening uh, being a Ted at this point, like I had, I had told everybody that Tony Stewart was going to be my boss one day. I had told everybody. That was one of your guys. That was my guy. That was my yeah. dude. That was my guy. And I got that. I'm like, yeah, I'm down with that. Like, let's go. So get over there. Um, I don't tell anybody that I, I drive. I'm just like head down learning because everyone is in the, everyone in that shop races. Mm -hmm. Like every race shop has a ton of races, so it's nothing new. But like. You know, so I'm um, 20 at the time, um, just in it. Are you like the uh, youngest one there? And easily, yeah. 
He's what I figured. Yeah, I wasn't even 21. Yeah, I wasn't because, even 21. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a big jump. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Like, I feel like it's a big jump to go from, at that time, K&N and late models and weekly series to championship winning level in the cup series. Like, that that doesn't happen, e- even uh, on your level in terms yeah. of being an interior mechanic. Yeah, no. And then, and so, like, and now there's a process. Like, now there's processes. Like, now we're a corporation. We're not just, like, oh, yeah. racing. We are doing it and you know like you're a spokesman for the team like things that you do have repercussions um so you know we i was there and kevin came um and rodney came and that whole group cheddar that worked out well yeah it worked out great got a got a ring over over best year of my life as a fanboy so thank you i mean yeah yeah you're a big cage guy so um Man, that was a, and so that championship, like that place is home, like forever. Like I, I can walk into that place right now, and it's like, hey man, how you do? Like, and um, it's it's cool. And then they started sponsoring Haas Automation started sponsoring me in fourteen. So I guess that same year actually, yep. um, that Kevin won the championship, and then um, uh, we were got up to me and Danny Johnson as my crew chief. We got up to 38th in the nation. I yeah, think you were in the top point. 40. Um, yeah, we were in the top 40, which was super cool. Um, and we didn't race the whole year, so we started late and ended early. So, um, and then that next year, we got in. I got that's when I got selected for the diversity program. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, man. So we, it was it, winning that championship. I mean, I got, I think I got that ring size to my middle finger. So in case anyone was like, <laughs> what are you going to do when racing doesn't work out? And I'm like, I don't know. I guess Stick I'm it up there. Figure it out. <laughs> there it is. So, okay. <laughs> there it Something's is. clicking for me now because I've always been curious as to how you have a really, really good relationship with Kevin because from the outside, mm-hmm. he's, he keeps a pretty tight circle. You know, he's not the guy that's mm-hmm. buddy, buddy with everybody he meets, you know, it's very nice, very cordial, but He's Kevin, you know, he's there to do a job and he's a stone cold killer on the racetrack. You were his interior mechanic then, right? On that, on the 14th? I was not, no, not his, but I was like the, so I was the interior teardown mechanic for every okay. team. Okay. So like all the interior guys, I I had to handle all of their stuff. So I knew like whose is right. what and what was what and how they liked it and how not to tear it apart and how to tear it right. apart. So it's easier. Cause that. my question was going to um, be like, you don't become really good friends with Kevin Harvick just on a whim. Like he obviously took a liking to you. You guys have a good relationship. Yeah. You're still maintaining that. But yeah. my point is yeah, you know, yeah. he, he's not oh, yeah. somebody that's going to go willy nilly to say, yeah, I'll be friends with this person. I mean, that's that. I, I think that speaks to you. You know what I mean? I'm trying to, yeah. And I'm trying to think like exactly when, that kind of took off, but honestly, I think it took off more with Delana than it did Kevin. Like Keelan was really like, young then too. Uh, Keelan was, yeah, and Piper was not even fought no. <laughs> yet. So um, I kind of, I think it kind of happened more with like Josh Jones um, and KHI, and like it kind of went that way because one night uh, Cowboy Cerrone showed up to the to the shop before Talladega and. They wanted he he wanted to go out, so you know I took him out. Me and me and beat oh me boy. and Aaron Coon took him out. We had a night. We had a good time. I would think and, so in uh, that group. Yeah. So like after that, it was you know we were boys, and 
um, I think it just kind of trickled in in through there. And and Josh and Delena and and Kevin, they've they've all been really good yeah. to me. And they um, like like I and I love Keelan. Like Keelan's my favorite race car driver, Keelan Harvick, for sure, hands down. And he's gonna be so good. Oh, yeah. Um, and and like I, I try to you know, be there for him in ways that probably everybody else is. And just like, you know, he's a kid. He's going to be super talented and have every opportunity in the world, but he needs to be a kid too, you know? So um, I like hanging out with him. I, I love hanging out with Piper. She's one of the, pro- she is entirely too smart for <laughs> how, how old she is. I was having full blown conversation with her when she was like three years old. It was weird. Wow. I, I walked up to Delaney. I said, Delaney, I just had a full, full conversation back and forth with your daughter. Is that normal for that age? She's like, no. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Have fun with that. Good to know, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I love the, I love the yeah. Harvicks. All right. Rapid fire here because I know I got to let you go here in, in a matter of minutes, but I got a lot of stuff to cover with you. So you mentioned. No, look, okay, we, got, we got a little after. Fun. All right. Good to know. So. <laughs> Uh, 2015, you mentioned that was the year that you got selected. You drove for Rev at that point. Um, mm-hmm. what were your emotions like when you got selected after all those trials, tribulations, and basically being told no by the same people? And they finally said, came to their senses and said, you know what? I think it's time. Uh, it was, it was just, I, I, I wish that I was in a little different space in my brain and in my maturity at that point, because I just came off of running, like I was running the 41 Haas automation wrap on the late model. So look, just like I was more part of Stuart Haas at that point. So, and I got over there with a little bit of a chip, I think, um, wanting to do certain things that we weren't going to do. Um, and so it just, and then we weren't as good. Um, the car, the Canaan cars were really good. We're still, were good. They, they competed for wins, but our late model program just wasn't as good. And it wasn't as good as the one I just left, which was my own. And so like, it was really hard to um, explain that. And cause I was getting a lot of questions like, why are you not running as well? You should be running better like that. And I'm like, you know, we're working on it. We're just, you know, trying to figure it out, like get stuff together. And we had a different type of situation. So, you know, it, it felt really good to get selected. It just wasn't the, it wasn't what I would have hoped. Yeah. It wasn't what it could have been. It wasn't what it could have been. Yeah. When did, uh, when did bubble come into the picture in terms of your guys's relationship personally and professionally? Uh, same time in 2009. I mean, that's, Bubba oh, is my oldest friend. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's my oldest friend here. We competed um, in the first diversity combine with you against each other. He, it was the changing lanes year. Oh, I didn't realize that, that was that, that far back. Team. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we hit it off right then. He was sick. He had like bird flu through most of it. Damn. Um, yeah, yeah, he was sick. and uh, But he was so fast. He was so good even then. Um but we kind of hit it off then. And then as I went back north, right? And then I came back down and we were in different spaces and I was like trying to get my momentum going and he was really headed forward. And then our relationship probably really, probably really took off 
somewhere a little after the cane and when he went to kbm i think that's when our relationship started to really take off and it was more me him and and rb hanging out uh here and there and like that's kind of how that that started and and then like we always had much, we always had love and respect for each other but there was a point where we were more competitors and friends right. too right like you know you know being a black dude and he's a black dude and we're both competing for a spot on a black team like you know we'd want to be the that guy so there was a lot of competitiveness there but it was nothing but love and and Daryl gave me um a late model um and that's what turned into be my house automation uh 41 okay. car and that's what so the car that he gave me that was his old late model we turned into a, a top 40 you know national points race car so i mean it's it's nothing but love man it's been good since you go all the way back do you always call him daryl i call him daryl most of the time Does he call you dylan yeah. then sometimes i bet it's about the same he calls me dylan yeah. a lot and and rb calls me dylan a lot um but yeah yeah no he probably does yeah because that's that's pre that's well pre mom you days. bubba and uh blaney have the best nickname for a friendship trio that i have ever heard cookies and cream who's cookies who's, and cream baby whose brainchild was that who do you I think just is brainchild that sure one. i figured it was that you. was your boy yeah no i mean we took a the, we were on the lake i mean we take one, we take pi like multiple pictures, right? Yeah, right, but right, NBC crops here, you but out. Yeah, they always crop me but out. But now that you're so big like, time, they'll dang, leave you. In. But now, yeah, now we're like kind of on the same. Yeah. Dude, that was so funny. <laughs> they got so much heat for that. Shout out to all the fans oh, that really busted NBC's ass for that. They so much, so funny. Uh -huh. um, but we, but, you know, so we make a point to make sure every year we take like a photo. It's almost like a Christmas card yeah. photo. Like we make a point to do this, right? And, um, and it's usually, well, it's either like after a win, uh, for one of them guys, or maybe we're just having a really good time at, at a party on the lake or whatever. And, and I just wanted to, I wanted something that was funny. Um, a little bit of play on words, like a little, maybe a little risque, like maybe a little, but it works. Know, it works and it's fun and people should be able to laugh at it yeah. because of what it is, you know what I mean? And, and, um, we're on season like five now or something like that. So the pictures will hopefully it's something we continue yes. to do for a really long time just because it's, you know, it's like that game tag, that movie tag. Right? Yeah. They just kept doing it. It turned into a thing. And that's kind of what, how I look at it. I think they kind of look at it the same way. So, I mean, I don't have to tell you this, but a lot of the names that we've mentioned here are like pretty big names, right? Bubba Wallace, Ryan Blaney, Kevin Harvick. I mean, these are not insignificant names and these are cup drivers, cup winners, cup champions. So you would think like, Oh wow. Like Mamba, he, he knows all these big time guys, you know, everyone lit literally everyone. I, I realize that this question is a bit generic and cliche. How do you know everyone? Uh, and, and like, I don't No, no, you do. And no. you you're friends with everybody. It's one thing to like know who somebody is or say, what's up, you know, whatever. But like, no, you could straight up like go to the bar with somebody, have a night with them, and you'd be best friends for life after meeting them for an I, hour. That's that's a personality yeah. trait I feel, but you just seem to know everybody in the industry. So I don't know. Everyone. You do, but that's okay. I've had moments with everyone. <laughs> I've had a a good time. Which means with you know everyone. 
Well, you know, debatable on if I met him at Saeed's. Or right. That I mean, for a while, uh, it was a lot of Saeed's okay. times. No, man. I I mean, look, like I was I'm a I was a mechanic. I was a crew guy. I was just a grinder, just like everybody else. Still am. But yeah, only got <laughs> one it. But um, but they they respect like we grew up at the same time. Like Cliff Daniels was right there with us too. Like. Joey Denowitz, Philip Smalley, Tutal Medill, Drew Herring, like all these people were all around each other at the same time growing up trying to figure it out. It just so happened that that group of people have become pretty successful. But we don't forget the good old days, mm -hmm. right? And um, being, being a part of that, it means a lot to me. Uh, I try to reach out to the, everybody every once in a while and just be like, hey, man, I'm really proud of what you've done. Like you've you've built you built something yeah. you've, you've done it you as if you would have told yourself told you know little you that this was going to happen like i don't know if they would believe <laughs> you but so it's just it's it's cool man we like to have fun we have a good time i like to leave a good impression and um <laughs> yeah 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 we know a lot you of leave people. an impression all right people. i think that's safe to say we know a lot of people if you you know if you want to have a good time you can usually drop my name and you know good times are to uh, be had. I can confirm. Yes. He, he he's 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 not selling himself too high. I'm telling you guys listening, he knows everybody. Everybody. Uh, been, been known to tattoo a liver here and there. You know, we we you know I think it's just permanent. You, you better pack a guy. You better you better pack a spare one if you're this if you're is, coming. This is why I'm nervous when I come down to Charlotte because I don't drink, but I know that I'm gonna have to with you, and it's not gonna be pretty you, for either one I'm, of us. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say you have to. I'm just well, gonna say you're gonna. You're, I'm gonna be with you, and then the people that we're gonna be with are basically gonna you know make it happen. So you know, I'm pre I'm prepared. You know, I'm not prepared, but I know it's gonna happen. I know. Just just hang with Uncle Mom, buddy. Right, I got you. you. All right, a few more here. Uh, <laughs> We've come this far and we haven't even mentioned too much what you're doing now with NASCAR as the chief hype officer with Mark Mamba and the mayor on the podcast with your work wives, Al Weave and Kimmy Kuhn on backseat drivers. <laughs> you're doing screens work at different tracks. You did driver intros at Coda. You're running your own media yep. company, Mamba Media. We did off the record together for a few months, uh, not to mention that you did work with Dodge. You're somewhere in the wide world of sports for a Ferrari every now and then. MPI. I, I don't know how yeah. you keep all this straight. I don't know how you figure out where you're putting your taxes, which paycheck comes from where, but I don't know. I don't know how you do it, but I have admiration for it. As long as long as they don't bounce, it doesn't matter where they go. Or and where have they bounced from. yet? <laughs> no, no, man, they're straight. No, um, yeah, I, I mean, that's so I just, I just actually, I just tried out for Monster Jam um, last Look week. You go. I, uh, My God. I went to, uh, down to Feld Entertainment. The Mamba Mobile. Do the, do the media portion of it. And now we go to Paxton, Illinois, uh, the second week of August to, to do the driving portion of it. Um, it was cool, man. They have a lot going on. Like, I mean, Feld owned Supercross. They were part of, you know, the Ringling Circus. Like they, I mean, they got a lot going on and there's some things that, you know, on our motorsports side that we could learn from an entertainment um, company like that. They know how to put on a really good event. Um, so for them to even, you know, allow me to be a part of that and that culture, the eight year old inside of me is just like, let's yeah. rock, you know? So I don't know, man. I just try to, I don't like saying no to opportunities. 
Um, I'm single. I don't even have my dog. He's back in Vermont. So, um, you know, I got nothing to really hold me, hold me here. Uh, and, you know, at some point maybe that'll change, but until it does, it's like, how many gears can we grab? It's like, how many experiences can we you, have? You're giving that sequential um, shift or workout. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're just constantly trying to build and go and go and do more. Um, like at the end of, in October is the big Ferrari challenge finale. And, uh, I think it's in Imola this year, uh, in Italy. And like, I'm, I'm gonna go check that out. You know, I'm gonna go, go over there and, um, hang out and check, check out some overseas race. And I just, I just like to stay going because honestly, it's really bad for my mental health for me to stop. Me too. I part, part of it is I don't know how to. The other part of it is when I do slow down, I feel really sluggish and like, Mike, why am I not doing something? If I got time, like I need to be putting it towards yeah, something. I'm with you. So um, just constantly trying to build, um, meet as many people as I can and, and try to carve something out. I mean, I, I I told somebody not too long ago, like, what do you want to do? I'm like, I want to end up in the NASCAR Hall of Fame without being a driver. They're like, how are you going to do that? I said, I don't know, but if I keep promoting the sport, it'll eventually show up. So, like, that's it. Like, I I know that if I keep helping, trying to help drive it forward, that I'll end up there. And um, whatever capacity that is, I'm here for it. And if anyone needs a hype man, honestly, if you need anything, call me i'm available i just show up if you need something and it pays decent depending on even the currency can change honestly i'll, I'll take different currencies just just tell me what we're getting paid in and i might show yeah up. you know they say the euro conversion right now has never been better i mean there's that there's tequila there's race oh, I cars know you'll take payment in that for sure there's i will take flight miles uh, American only, please. But I will take flight miles. I'm sure you'll take a lot, a lot else. But uh, we got to keep it clean, anyways. Uh, <laughs> I think we may have talked about this, but your goal of like getting into the Hall of Fame—that's, I mean, it's lofty, yeah. but that's that's kind of where I'm at too. Like, it's—I don't know how, I don't know when, where, who, what, why, but shoot for the stars. Well, you gotta you gotta make a goal and go backwards. If you're if you're setting goals for yourself that are in your sphere, then you're not really you're not really pushing yourself very yeah. hard. And, and like, and some people don't want to, but I, I do. I want to push myself all the time. Um, and so I'm, I'm learning how to be better, how to put, how to separate my energy, what, what things I can do that maybe take 20% yeah. versus doing everything at a hundred, but I get a hundred percent value out of it. But I just have learned to be smarter about it. Um, you know, just like drivers, right? Like drivers, when you're younger, you're just kind of all out. Well, now when you mature, you're like, uh, I can drive right now at this point of the race 80%. I don't need to be 110 right now. So, you know, it's kind of managing those things and expectations and just trying to, you know, keep moving forward. Let's kind of keep moving forward, man. So all these different roles that you have, NASCAR, Monster Jam, add that to the mix, MPI, Ferrari Challenge, Mamba Media, like everybody that you work with and work for, they're cool with you managing all these different things that you got going on. Because, I mean, on paper, you would say that's that's kind of tough to manage. You know that I've lived it kind of with you simultaneously. Everybody's cool with that and, and you're able to manage that pretty well. 
Uh, we make it work. You know what I mean? Like, like I, people hire me for things because of what I bring. Right. And just like anybody else, well, part of it is I need to be able to do some of these other things. And everybody has been super cool about that. And those other things are getting me other skills. And they're, 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 I'm sharp. I'm using different muscles, I'm using different thought processes to get these jobs done versus these jobs. Not to mention the crossover when I'm with the Ferrari Challenge people, maybe they've never been to a NASCAR race. Well, I just want to let people know that that paddock could all be NASCAR owners <laughs> easily. Like, so, you know, like it wouldn't, it wouldn't even think about it. Wouldn't even think about it. So like, if I can get some of those people over on our side, maybe they aren't owners, but maybe they have a business that they might mm-hmm. want to invest in. I'm just trying to, I, but I like being in different spaces because it's fun. You know what I mean? I get to do different things yeah. and, you know, on, honestly, shout out to, um, Tim Clark and, and Amy Anderson for allowing me to to do that and continue to Absolutely. do that while simultaneously being on their team. And they know that when I say I'm on your team, I'm on your team, but I also have other things that I wanted to be able to do yeah. too. And they allow me to do those Speaks things. Speaks volumes to them that they, you know, let you pursue your passions and do all those other things and the limited interactions sure. and work that I've had with Tim and Amy, they are, they are first class people. So awesome to see there. All right. No better way to close then asking you the genesis behind your mantra, hashtag GDTBA. It's always a great day to be alive, but why do you have to remind everybody every single day? Because it feels like in today's society, people need that reminder. So I'm glad that you do it. Man, it's so important. Uh, It it started from Nick Drake. Uh, Nick Drake started tweeting it a lot. And I'm like, dude, what does this mean? He goes, man, I'm sick of people complaining all the time. So I just started saying it's a great day to be alive. Now I took that and I, I like tattooed that on the inside of my, like, it's like right here every day. And I don't think he knew what I was going to do with it, but <laughs> I, I just tag it. I just tag it to it. If it, even if it was kind of a negative thing, like not a, a, a great thing, it's still a great day to be alive. That, that little piece just kind of sucked. Um, and you got to embrace that sometimes it's okay. Like you're going to be up and down and that's fine. You, you, we do our best to try and stay right here, stay right level. Um, and I just, it helped me out and it helped my mental. And uh, eventually I was like, okay, I need to just put this, I need to put this on paper. And then I started using it on Twitter. Then I started using it on my personal Facebook and people, they react to it. There's enough negative stuff out there. Yeah. So um, I don't, I'm not going to add to that. Um, but I mean, we're about to roll up on 10,000 supporters. I call them supporters because they support what I do. They don't follow me into the depths they support. And I need their support I like because I have bad days too. Um, but because of all those people, my bad days aren't, aren't that bad. So um you know, it's always a great day to be alive and, and reminding yourself that is super important. I love it. All right. It's going to be a great day this weekend when you hop behind the wheel in an Arkham Menard series. What's realistic? What, what are you shooting for? Finish-wise, experience-wise? Uh, yeah, I think – I think I hope that we got seventh-place speed. Uh, if we have seventh-place speed, then it's something to work with. If I, if I can be somewhere around seventh on the, on the charts, it will be well of a good day, I think. 
So, and then the rest of it, at the end of the day, it's, it is Arca. And, and, you know, sometimes the races are a little longer than others. So I'm just hoping that we keep, I hope we just keep the fenders on it and um, that I can put together a whole race. Luckily we're doing stages. So it's more like, you're right. Cause we don't, I'm 99% sure. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It's like a, there's like breaks in there. So like, it's not, it's so, you know, um, I hope that 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 can help us. And I got Coleman Presley spawn for me, so he'll be in my ear a lot and keeping me straight. So I'm excited. I tell this because I love you, but you know you cannot drink Trulies while you're racing, right? I know, but I guarantee you right after that thing, I will have one. Your window nest going to be coming down, and they're going to be tossing one to you from the grandstands. I'd be mad if they didn't. (laughs) Well, dude, I appreciate your time so much. You carved out a lot of it for me on a busy day. I know you got more of these back to back to back because you're a man in command this week uh you know how i feel about you i we didn't even get into a lot of stuff that i wanted to with off the record and everything but uh i appreciate you i wish you the best of luck this weekend you'll be hearing me cheer you on from my couch all the way here in dc and we'll be watching and we'll be cheering you on brother all love appreciate it man i appreciate what you do you work in the space you're you're a grind you really put in that work you really put in that work and shout out to Barad Perez. I just yes, saw sir. today that he is going to try and race at Indy. That boy is putting in some work, and I'm very he proud of him. He is more of a grinder than all of us combined. I think we can agree on that. Yes. I'm, I wouldn't do what he does. And we're back. Appreciate you, Mamba. Really do. I'm so excited to watch him this weekend. I mean, you guys may be listening to this after he takes to the track, and it's probably a winner by now, I'm sure. That would be crazy, though, Mamba. I know, even even you're not expecting to win, but if you do, oh, boy. I may just have to hightail it down to 704 and drink some Trulies with you, brother. Uh, but truly, see what I did there. From the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for the time. Thank you for your guidance. Thank you for your perspective. Thank you for your positivity. It radiates. You are the man. You don't need to hear it from me, and I appreciate your time. Go listen to Mark Mamba and the mayor as well. Great stuff that he's doing over at NASCAR. Tune into Backseat Drivers. You guys don't need me to tell you all the cool work that mom is doing over there at NASCAR. So check it out for yourself if you haven't already. Got to chat briefly about the Tricky Triangle this past weekend at Pocono Raceway. And oh boy, it definitely lived up to its nickname because it was was pretty tricky. We had the top two finishers in the Cup Series both disqualified, meaning that the third place finisher, Chase Elliott, is your winner. Denny Hamlin thought he had win number seven. Turns out he finishes towards the rear. No win for him. No second place for Kyle Busch. Both Joe Gibbs racing cars were found to have a front fascia issue in post-race inspection. So they fail inspection. They lose their first and second finishing position. That goes to Chase Elliott. The win does. And this is, in fact, unprecedented in terms of the modern era. It's been 62 years, 62 years since somebody failed post-race inspection as the winner. That was Emmanuel Zervakis back in 1960. I told my dad that in the car last night, and he started having an aneurysm because we heard about Mr. Zervakis here on the show in the Wayback segment. Um, Point being, this has not happened in a long, long time. This has not happened in the modern era. This has not happened since NASCAR changed their post-race inspection procedure to get away from the encumbered wins that we were accustomed to seeing. That was awful. And we went to the streamlined post-race inspection 
at the racetrack, tearing it down an hour or two, maybe three after the race, you will know if everybody passed inspection and is all good. It had not happened to this point in the Cup Series. It had happened in Xfinity. It had happened in the Truck Series. But the Cup Series had been immune from this problem up until now. So it's something that's not normal. I don't think that if you're a new race fan, you should be expecting next week for Chase Briscoe to go and win at the Indianapolis Road Course and then, well, oh, never mind. He's not the winner. He failed inspection. I really think that this is an exception to the rule, and this is an anomaly. With that being said, I'm glad that NASCAR enforced their own rules. Scott Miller went on Sirius XM NASCAR radio just about an hour as I'm recording this live right now on Monday and explained further with Dave Moody what the issue was with the front fascia and the layers of vinyl that they put underneath the car wrap. So we have all the answers. We have all the information. It's not like we're grasping at straws here or we're making up conspiracy theories. JGR didn't appeal. I think that says a lot. NASCAR had a black and white rule that was broken. They said as much, and we move on, right? That's what JGR is going to do. That's what NASCAR is going to do. That's what Denny and Kyle are going to do. And Chase just came on through there and got the win. What is it, the last five races? He's finished first or second, and he's won three of them. This one coming kind of by association. It was, it was definitely something that I was not expecting, so much so that I literally left the media center about five minutes before we got the official word. I'll be honest, didn't even cross my mind to wait until post-race inspection was clear because I had a four-hour drive home. I knew that there was already some traffic, had to get up early this morning for work, and I said, you know what, I'm going to hit the road, get get out of the traffic, and drive with a little bit of daylight in there. And I get a call from my buddy Zach Sterniolo, and he says, I know you just left, but uh, the 11 and the 18 have been disqualified. Chase Elliott's the winner. And I thought that he was pulling my leg, and I was like, yeah, good one. Thanks. And he's like, nope, I'm serious. And he works for NASCAR. So that would have been a good joke. And he probably would have had the power to play such a joke on me, but he was not. <laughs> so thank you, Zach, for letting me know. Uh, but at that point, I was like, oh, my God, do, do I turn around? Do, do I go back? What, what do I do? But I couldn't. It was on like a two-lane road. And uh, I found out just like every one of you guys on Twitter or any other form of social media and even some people didn't know, and they woke up the next morning, and they turned on their radio, or they fired up their phone, and they saw that Chase Elliott's the winner, and the 11 was DQ'd, and, and, and so was second place Kyle Busch. What? Again, folks, this is not normal. This is literally, in fact, unprecedented in the modern era and with this new post-race inspection format. So we're all learning along with you about how this works and the flow of it all, but bottom line is Joe Gibbs Racing broke a rule. That was penalized to them. The penalty is going to be enforced as the rule book and the sectioning body sees fit. And everybody's just going to move on. That'll wrap things up for episode 157 of Victory Lane 2.0. Thank you to Dylan Mamba Smith for hopping on with me. I so appreciate him for giving me the time and just absolutely being a stand-up kick-ass homie. Uh, I also want to say had a great time at Pocono Raceway this weekend. It was my first time out there, and I don't know why it's taking me this long, given that my whole life I've lived under four hours from the damn place. But better late than never. Glad I got there. Really, really fun time. Unique racetrack. Awesome race fan turnout and awesome fans that were interacting with me. Uh, if you listen to the podcast, thank you. Uh, I signed some autographs, which was very weird. 
Uh, a lot of people said that they enjoyed my TikTok. So if you guys also enjoy the podcast, I appreciate you listening today and I appreciate you saying hello. And if you didn't, next time I'm at the racetrack, be sure to say what's up and who knows, maybe I'll even get you on the podcast. That That's a promise for me. If you come up to me at the racetrack and you're a race fan and you say you listen to Victory Lane, I will get you on the show in some form or fashion. You have my word, all right? So next time I'm going to the track, which I don't know when it's going to be, I got you. If you like what you heard here today, you guys know the drill by now. Leave a rating and a review. Subscribe to the show. You can get us wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Google, SoundCloud. Wherever you get them, we're there for you. And if we're not or you need some help, drop me a line, and I will try to rectify that issue for you. We will be back next week with another episode with another guest from the world of NASCAR. Again, appreciate you guys listening. Appreciate your support and appreciate Mama Smith giving us a lot of his time and perspective here today. Go get him, Mamba. We're pulling for you, big dog. Catch you next week, party people. Be good.